1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Roy, just when you think we've heard every angle of the housing story, you write your letter to the minister and we realise, hang on, what's this about? Tell us the story from the start. You actually have a place to live, but you can't finish it.
2: Yeah, so around um, two years ago, or long no longer, I'd say three years ago maybe, Myself and my partner were just looking for somewhere to rent, just to kind of move out of my parents' place. And we spent about eight months to a year, maybe, looking for somewhere to rent locally, cross Avon cargo We were going for viewing after viewing, and even when we thought we were getting to the kind of final stages, we always just missed out. And it's, like, it's... Landlords are really geared towards they just want as little hassle as possible. I mm. want two young people with no kids who have contracted work. You better not be self-employed. You know, it's, it's just it, it doesn't allow for anybody to be human, essentially, at the yeah. end of the day. Um, after no avail for that long, we just decided, like countless other couples, to just go for the whole log cabin approach.
1: The exp- explain the log cabin approach I've seen these little places around the place you literally go and you buy them in a a hardware outlet don't you and you build them yourself
2: yeah there's a couple of places that are doing them um, nationwide as in that's just what they specialize in my uncle next door actually he's working for a place that are doing that um, we didn't go through one of them just because we have so many trades available in the family carpenters and everything like that, that mm. we just went for kind of by our own route Um. So yeah they're absolutely everywhere like even in my local area here I know of at least six or seven that are just as illegal as my own one.
1: So what do you do you you buy the cabin and you put it on a suitable piece of land and you finish it yourself. So what happened?
2: Um so we had gotten the credit union loans and everything that we needed to build it like it was a big investment but it was going to pay off in the long run that we'd have a roof over our heads to be able to save for mortgage and everything. And we'd been declared in after that.
1: Mm. And you had a bit of land as well, did you?
2: Well, it's just on my parents' property. My father had put down a foundation for a shed years ago when building the place, but he just never got around to actually building it. So he thought this was a better use which you know? Yeah. And it was just going to be for the few years that we needed it. And then we intended on pulling it down afterwards anyway.
1: Mm. Or
2: he was just going to turn it back into a shed for himself, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it was... We just about had it to the stage where it was being plastered during the first two to three weeks of the pandemic. Mm. And we were living with a friend in Passage West at the time. And we moved in even when the plaster was still drying. Mm. So no flooring, nothing, no electrics. But we were just glad to have somewhere at last, you know. And like, yeah, it was kind of exciting in a way in that we were like, okay, next week now we'll have the money for the flooring, then we'll have the money for this and the money for that, and we were kind of getting it all
1: together. Mm. How big is this, Roy? How, how big is the place? So in internal
2: space, it's like 39 square metres. Um, and I think like the what you're actually allowed to build without planning at all is something like 25 square metres or something like sure,
1: that. Sure, sure. So it's the size of a small apartment, basically.
2: Yeah, it's very modest. Like, it's... A, Bedroom ensuite and an open plan area. That's just kitchen, sitting room. Right. That's it. It's not much. Um, and it was just the day then that I was handing over the envelope with the money for doing the roof. Finally, to my father, he handed back to me the letter we got from Cork County Council that we had been reported for an unauthorized dwelling. To cease all works immediately, and that's where the nightmare started. Then from there.
1: So you're on your dad's property. With your dad's full permission, Mm -hmm. building a place to live in for a few years. So what happened? How did the council have a problem with that?
2: They didn't. So the council, their own position on them, because there's so many of them everywhere that they just have a turn a blind eye kind of policy. So they they said to themselves that they do not pursue or follow up on any of them unless they have been reported. Right. So at that stage, we put about 16000 into it. And we had to cease all works then immediately as well. So that's when the whole process then with applying for retention planning started from there then. And there was huge costs involved with that. We had to get a civil engineer in. And to be fair to him, he was fantastic. He only charged us about a quarter of what he should have, just mm. given our situation. What he went through with a fine-tooth comb. We were even getting permission from my uncle, the other side, because um, it's three houses in a row um to put in a new biocycle on his property with his permission at a cost of ten to fifteen thousand mm. just to keep planning happy. As in our engineer went through everything that would be okay and put it all together, sent it off, and we were then refused um which really was not like a, um the view of the road, these kind of things like um and we were also refused on the grounds that when completed it would be um, unsafe for us to live in. They never really gave much further detail on that, but just from a fire hazard point of view or anything like that. Amazingly as well, everyone's been amazed by this throughout the process, but officially listed as one of the reasons why it was refused was that in its current state, it's an ISO. Mm
1: -hmm. But you it's only half finished.
2: Exactly. Can you imagine buildings out there, if they were allowed to be refused based on how they looked halfway through the process? It's just nonsensical. Like, I, I wasn't here the day that the planner initially came down to view it, but amazingly, we've been left in it for almost two years now, and that's it.
1: Right. But you're, if it's half
2: finished. No, it was the fact that we had just gone without planning permission, as so many people do. Hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's right or anything like that. Yeah. We weren't aware of it at the time. We only found out afterwards and drawn. Hindsight is a great thing and everything, but obviously, if we'd known so, we would have gone the planning route in the first place. Yeah. Um, so we got no chance in the, the retention stage, really. We were refused then, and we were going for an appeal with on board Canola. Um, there was issues there. We never even got our appeal to be viewed. They Essentially, they, they said there was an issue with our application, um, and they waited until after the Christmas break of last year to even tell us that there was an issue with the application mm. well after the deadline had passed. And so from then in January 21, then we started getting letters from the enforcement department and county council, and we were beginning dates for a demolition. Like we had to have it done by this date or they will do it for us. And we were obviously devastated, panic stations and everything, but the date kept moving. Mm. Come up to it and move again, move again, move again. And the obvious thing is, like, I didn't really think it at the time. I, you know, I was terrified that it was going to happen. But they're not going to actually pull the trigger on it. Can you imagine the county council down here high-fiving next to the bulldozer with myself and my messes in the car crying, you know? Hmm. That's a new story that nobody wants to bring on them.
1: Like. Hmm. Hmm. But the thing is, you said to me you have access to all sorts of trades through family and connections. So you could probably finish this in a couple of weeks. Could you?
2: Like, why well, I could. And like, this is, you know, like we've had two years and like, I know people would think, well, sure, why haven't you finished it within the two years? But the thing is, it's the constant uncertainty.
1: Yeah. No, the reason I asked the question, Roy, is if you were to just go ahead now and finish it and apply again for retention with a finished building.
2: See, this is the thing. We can apply for our retention again. You can do that as many times as you want, but the enforcement order is still there. That, that's a completely separate issue right. and because I, I brought this up with my civil engineer and um, my solicitor proposed this as another idea all you would do is just change the degree of the roof or something and call, it's technically a different building then again but he said that the enforcement order would still stand and then it would have to go before a judge and a judge would likely see that as a usurpation of the process and
1: you know yeah. so you even have a solicitor guiding it through this extremely oh, yeah. complicated process. As a
2: solicitor, civil engineer, everything like um, but to be absolutely fair to the lads in enforcement, they're a completely different department. Like the departments in the county council might as well be in different countries. There's no communication between them. But the lads in enforcement are incredibly understanding. Hmm. They don't want to do this.
1: And has anyone said to you, right, throughout the whole process? In the council, in enforcement, anywhere? Look. Here's how you go about fixing this. Has anyone offered you a solution?
2: Not once. They're just looking at whatever details pertain to their job, as in, I'm a planner, you didn't have planning, this doesn't have planning. I'm enforcement, you have an enforcement order, this is what we have to enforce. There, there's no help from anyone
1: whatsoever. Now, you showed me on your camera where you live now. Describe it. Um, so the current conditions? Yes.
2: So there's no cladding on the outside. There is no sealed roof for most of the time. It was just plywood with builders wrap over it um, leaking constantly. It was a, a, like two or three nights a week. I'd be walking by water coming in through the light fixings. Um, it's not too clear in one of the pictures that I sent you, but you can see the water coming in through all the cracks in the plasterboard in the ceiling. The entire roof like inside the ceiling is all cracked. It's covered in mould hmm. Um I, I couldn't post pictures of the bedroom because it would just be too embarrassing. It's that bad.
1: And this is all because you're not allowed to finish it.
2: Yeah, because it's
1: never going to dry
2: out because we don't have central heating. I'm hmm. not going to pay to put the central heating in when we have to tear it down. And um, we just have storage heaters and I can't leave the storage heaters on during the night because it's a fire risk. Yeah. The, the, the electrics are actually damaged from the, all the water damage. We have certain circuits turned off and everything just to avoid fires during the night. So if I'm leaving the heating on, like I, I have to plug it out before I go to
1: sleep. I'm just, I can't take that chance. Mm. You know? The stress of this must be driving you mad.
2: Absolutely. like um, I, I'd be very open with my own dealings with mental health issues. Like I left school at 15 due to very bad social anxiety. And worked on that over the years, and like now I can manage to go into people's houses and be the dog trainer and send Mm -hmm. them attention and everything. But this is just a completely different level altogether. I never experienced a level of stress like this in my life. Like, and it's how sustained and with no end in sight that it is that just makes it so difficult. Like, there was a time maybe in um, October, there just be just last year. I had gone maybe three, four weeks on maybe just four hours of sleep a night um, only eating kind of one meal a day, two if, if I was lucky, just from being so stressed out. Hmm. Um, uh, the GP went through three different sleeping tablets with me. Um, none of them worked. I could take um, 7.5 milligrams of zolpidem, which is a fairly strong sleeping tablet, still be awake five o'clock in the morning. Um, like, now I take them at 8pm and I'm still awake 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Makes no difference. Um, they sent me on to Ravens Court for a psychiatric assessment then, and the conclusion was, I'm not mentally ill, there's nothing wrong, I'm having a completely expected and logical reaction yeah. to the situation. In the they prescribed a house. Jokingly at that, but they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. Yeah. They, they tried to put me in touch with a social worker and various other people like that and um, I got great sense of hope from them that they were going to do something and put together a plan with the 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 team in Ravenscourt and everything like that to kind of put pressure on the council as to why um, why they should house us and everything but they just never got back to me it's a common thing throughout this process that whether it's a local councillor whether it's this or that that they're full of promises and everything that they're going to help us and they're so understanding and Hmm the the contact just weans off because I don't blame them. Like I'm dealing with one customer at the moment, and I, I can sense his frustration because the thing is that he actually can't do anything.
1: Yeah, and and again to come back and stress to this, like no one has said to you, okay, look, you started without planning permission. You shouldn't have done that. But here's how you fix this. Not one person.
2: And I've asked, like I, I ask all the time, like what should I do? what would you do in my position?
1: Yeah.
2: And no, it's just whatever, like whichever department I'm dealing with, it's just whatever issue concerns them.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, we're still playing catch up. Um, like I'm paying out nearly, I'd say a hundred or 150 each week back in loans and everything on, like the cost of materials, et cetera, just to build it. That bear in mind, whether it's a, a pile of rubble or still a house, I'm paying those loans for the yeah. next three to four
1: years. Yeah. Yeah. You've even had to, the stress of it, you've had to close down. We were going to talk to you a couple of weeks ago about dog training, yeah. but yeah. since then you've had to close yeah. down the business.
2: Yeah, and it's that's the part that's killing me the most, to be honest. And like I've got such a ream of messages from all of my clients, just so grateful even for how much I was able to help them in the first place. And to leave them hanging just in the middle of training plans like that just absolutely kills me no. because it's, it's not something that I do for money or the ego side of it or anything like that. Mm. I just care about dogs and them having better relationships with their owners. But I spent so long trying to do that in spite of all this to yeah. try to keep up the front that everything was okay. And like when I was a machine operator, you just go in on a bad day, keep the head down, press the buttons, clock out and go home. Yeah. but when you're the centre of attention and self-employed like that it's, it's really not easy like in the last couple of weeks there it was either that I was cancelling appointments on the morning just because I hadn't slept at all or it would be that i go and then halfway through explaining something very technical I'd completely forget what I was even talking about oh, and I'd have to ask the client to remind me what I was even talking
1: about that's an awful level of stress
2: yeah I just I've lost the ability to be as professional as I like to be
1: you know <laughs> Now, you've written pretty much everything you just told me into a letter to the Minister for Housing because you're going to ask Minister O'Brien, can you do Anthony for me? Can you tell me? Like, all you're looking for here is a way to... You admit you made mistakes. you were looking for a way to fix it. Isn't that all?
2: Yeah, uh, and I don't even want a free house. I, I just want an opportunity to rent the house. Mm. Like, even as it says in my letter, like, and I'm getting even more... Uh, numbers from clients since they've read it to do with the number of houses boarded up in different areas around Caroline yeah. and everything like that. Like, w- one of my clients was actually a good friend of mine. He's in social housing in Caroline and the house next to him, a one bed house, is boarded up since early last year. And like, I would take it as is. I'll screw the boards off myself and I'll pay the full cost of the rent for it. But this is all, the reason those houses are boarded up is because their policy of it has to be brought back to the original condition so i'm not sure if you've heard of that yes i have yeah
1: yeah but again you have access to trades you have access to you could get you could you could move in and do it
2: i i would sign whatever legal agreement they want to say that no matter what happens with the place i'm not going to hold them liable in any way whatsoever it's completely on me because I, I know that that's what their reasoning is for keeping the places boarded up. That they're it's thinking illegal repercussions, you know. But um, I would be so grateful just for anything as it is.
1: Right, I don't know how to say it to you. I mean, you're okay. We'll come back to it because listeners will. You made a mistake in not applying for planning, but no one's helping you to fix that.
2: No, and, and this is why I never ever went public with it until now. It was just because I knew I was in the wrong mm. like I would i not the type of person who likes attention anyway but for that fear of that public backlash even just the one person that would text an after saying after it's his own fault but what changed my mind on that was the amount of clients that I have as in, even in my letter it says that like in the last two years I haven't a single client under the age of 30 that's in rented accommodation or their own home they're all living with their parents or they're in a deceased grandparent's house that they're renting off the books off and uncle or whoever inherited it. But the vast majority are in log cabins. Yeah, I have at least 10 to 15 clients in that age group who are in log cabins. And after hearing my story, are absolutely terrified that the same thing can happen to them. Because the only difference between me and them is that I was reported.
1: It's just so strange, like you have the plot of ground on your dad's land. You have all the help you need to finish the job and someone objected and here you are.
2: and this is it because all the mechanisms and protocols whether it's planning housing or anything like this it never envisioned things getting this bad the unprecedented are the words I've been hearing the last two years yeah. it's no precedented and more than people think
1: yeah clearly these little places are all over the county as you, as you say mm-hmm. <sighs> when did you post off your letter to the minister
2: um, I sent it registered there yesterday I sent one to himself and one to me, Hall Martin's one okay
1: let's see if you get a reply I really really wouldn't expect that no unfortunately not all I can do is wish you well and I know people will say Christ did there not a way to fix this for the lad. do you know
2: I know and you no, know, I can empathise with you because I'm hearing this so much all the time just I don't know what to say and it's everything from my GP to anyone else like everyone's out of answers or suggestions or anything, and we're literally just sitting here waiting just for something to happen. Are you afraid of
1: a bulldozer arriving?
2: No, but what I am afraid of is how much of me will be left at the end of this, you know?
1: Yeah, it's taking its toll on you, yeah, like massively. Roy, I'll leave it there with you and uh, keep in touch if you do get a response. I will
2: absolutely. Thanks very much for the opportunity, PJ. I really appreciate it. Thanks
1: very much.